Hi, well, we are back. Uh, my apologies for all the missed sessions and uh, how this has just been going of late. It's really a, it's a combined effect of my um, terrible organization skills mixed with my terrible technological skills, te- mixed with uh, just all-around scatterbrainedness and uh, what else could we throw in there uh, to, to, to give this some sort of uh, excuse. But we are back, and uh, we've got the coronavirus going around, of course, and that's got to affect mm. something, right? I've got to be able to blame something on the on the coronavirus. So there's that, and uh, and so uh, hopefully, with all those things aside, we're able to move forward here. Uh, back in the saddle, got Chris um, on the line with me, and uh, here's the sad news: we recorded a whole awesome thing for you guys about the Imago Day, this Kleinian excellence oozing out of the, the Zoom screen. It was just, uh, it was amazing. And then I realized that I hadn't recorded my voice all throughout. And uh, so we couldn't run that one. I tried to fake it. I had I had uh, Chris's voice and I was uh, pretending to talk to him the whole way through. But it got very, very weird. And so I stopped doing that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so uh, we thought, you know what? Let's just run it again, and it's probably gonna not be exactly what we talked about last time, but it'll be more or less. We'll just we'll start with the same topic and see where it goes. How's that, Chris? It sounds good to me. All right. Well, what we what I wanted to do originally was uh, just look at at something of uh, Klein's view of the um, image of God, and. Um, and, and because of, I mean, it is truly an amazing idea. Uh, I feel like we could probably spend 10 podcasts on it quite easily. And hey, maybe we'll do that. But um, it's, it's just that it has so many different levels to it. It has so much importance to it. It's so, I'm sort of growing in my appreciation of the fact that it's, it's, it's very connected to his particular brand of um, covenant theology. Um, it's going to, you know, it's, it, it really gets at the heart of what, What's different about uh, his con- concept of merit and the covenant of works uh, to to what you might find in your classic sort of Westminster formulation? And there's even some of the the Westminster Confession that has a wording that's a little bit uncomfortable. And we've kind of dealt with that before. We will probably deal with it again, just in terms of the merit thing and uh, the condescension of God to enter into a covenant. But you know, just to make a start and just keep thinking about the the subject, and maybe just provide a little bit of clarity to anyone who, for anyone who cares, uh, let's just chat a little bit more around this uh, this concept of the image of God. I realize that uh, that on its own, just even without a Kleinian influence, is is a big topic, and uh, there's a lot that has been said throughout the ages on the image of God. A lot of different uh, a lot of different takes on that, um, and they still are. And it's almost like one of those areas where it's just a little bit up for grabs. Anyone can go for it and kind of fill that in with what they are interested in. But uh, what I think uh, and what we said last time, and maybe this is just helpful to kick us off with the basic uh, framework, is that you you have uh, over the years a, a few categories. Um, without getting into too much detail now, um, just categories that people have have. Uh, that that you might or I don't want to say used to understand the image of God, but their understandings fall in one of these categories. Um, the the first is you know I don't know you could call it an ontological substantive category where basically they are just saying you know what is it about man that's different from the animals 
um, with, you know, there are a whole lot of different things. Uh, you know, let's learn, you know, one of those things. And typically you have one of the church fathers kind of grab hold of one of these attributes and, and just run with it uh, all the way through to Kelvin, I think. And, um, and then you have... Uh, on the other hand, uh, kind of more Bartian, as I understand it anyway, more sort of in that modern contemporary, you know, maybe uh, neo-Orthodox sort of zone, you are looking at more of a kind of relational view where they are they are trying to get more to their credit, more towards the text in Genesis and saying, uh, listen, when God made man in his image, he created the male and female, and this is a relational thing. It reflects the relationship of the triune Godhead. There's something about relationship, community, and they really run with that idea and it takes various forms. And then, um, and then perhaps, I don't know, for me, it seems probably what is most close, uh, most close to the, uh, the Kleinian view is, uh, this kind of functional, uh, bucket, uh, where, where a lot of people have, have again, tried to stick to the text, but have said, no, the issue is not so much relationship. The issue is that man was given this, dominion his function on earth was to essentially have dominion and rule and especially as you relate that to the ancient near eastern treaties you see or at least uh, just the ancient near east setting uh, you see that that term image uh, of god is used and uh, often refers to a vice regent of some sort or a vassal king um, uh, or, or even just you know you can imagine kind of pharaoh representing some some divinity and he would be thought of uh, as in the image of god um, and so there's all those kinds of thoughts running around, which, you know, feels like it's got the closest to the actual idea for me because it's taking that context in mind. It's got the text in mind. Um, and then, of course, you got Klein come along. Um, and what we did actually say is that you might you might end up coming across a guy <clears throat> named uh, Kleins. That's a C and with the S at the end, which is just interesting that, uh, that this guy is also rolling around in that same sort of bracket. But uh, that's not Klein. That's Kleins. Right, and it's not a plural of Klein either. It's another guy, um, and so uh, you know, there's that guy, and then Klein comes along, and uh, and more or less in that vicinity starts to flesh it out even more, and it's almost like he incorporates all of it, you know, somehow. Mm. But but he um, he keeps it focused on the text, which is great. So with that in mind, um, I don't know, Chris, are you happy to just give us a little rundown uh, of of what Klein basically held to there, just at a initial thumbnail sketch level? Sure. I mean, I'll hone in on the, the three aspects that he talks about in terms of the image of God in human beings. This isn't a fair summary of the entire book, Images of the Spirit. There's just so much material there. But when we're talking about how it is that you and I and each of our listeners um, is made in the image of God, hmm. Klein says that the the first one is a functional um reflection of the image of God, or another way he puts it is official. Mm -hmm. And that is seen in um, the, almost the office of um, the authority to declare things right or wrong and the exercise of dominion. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we see that in the garden when um, the devil comes and, and tempts Eve and, um, you know, says, well, God just doesn't want you to eat the fruit because he doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to um, know the difference between 
good and evil. And it's not, you know, Klein was careful to point out that it's not that Adam and Eve didn't know what good and evil were before they ate, ate the fruit. It was that judicial function of making the declaration um, that this thing is good and that thing is bad or wrong. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they they plunged themselves into um, a condition of being morally wrong, you know, in that that particular episode. But we see it come back up in um, Genesis six through eight, and at the end of the flood episode, God gives them, mm-hmm. um, you know, look, it's going to be civil government's uh, role to um, exercise this function of bearing my image in declaring things wrong and, you know, punishing those things that are wrong. Um, the the second aspect that he talks about, it probably resonates the most with the traditional understanding of the image of God in most systematic theologies. And that's the ethical where mm. we reflect the holiness and the righteousness uh, and the truth of God. Um. And we, we see this probably the most clearly in the, the biblical injunction to be holy as I am holy. Yeah. And yeah. so um, just as we see God's holiness expressed in who he is and what he does, we're supposed to imitate that same thing, to be as much like our creator as human creatures can be. Yeah. But then I think it's the third aspect where he's um, completely original in terms of the history of um, systematic theology, at least as far as I can tell. And that is this formal or physical aspect to the image of God, Mm. where our bodies will, uh, in the resurrection, reflect the... um, Klein Klein used the phrase physical luminosity. Mm. Luminosity meaning brightness um, uh, of... God himself, the, the same kind of brightness that we see, uh, for example, in the pillar of cloud uh, by day and the pillar of fire by night that led Israel. Um, when the gospel writers uh, talk about the Mount of Transfiguration, the cloud that covers the mountain uh, is a bright shining cloud, mm. those kinds of things. Mm. Um, and when we read about um Jesus in Revelation, he's so bright that um, John falls down to the right, ground. Right. So um, it's those kinds of things that Klein says we should um, see s- something about what we have to look forward to in our resurrection bodies there. Right. Glorification, essentially, right? Yeah, um, right. But just putting a, a sort of biblical theological spin on it, just right from that beginning, <clears throat> that's kind of what we spoke about as well. I mean, you've got this connection to uh, the glory cloud, uh, you know, and we don't mean the podcast. We mean the actual glory cloud, <laughs> right. um, where you, right from the very beginning, um, have this this stamp of eschatology, so to speak, uh, uh, you know, even, even before any soteriology is in view, uh, right from the creation, this, this glimmer of what is to come, um, this, this brightness uh, in the cloud, which uh, then gets associated to what ultimately is the result of the seven of the six days of work, and then ultimately uh, what is the the end of uh, you know what, what is 
what is the the ultimate um, glorified glorified reality, both for creation and for for man. And so it's it's kind of um, it's and that's where it gets amazing because um, it's it, it gets complicated for me. It gets uh, it gets I think definitely unique um, in that I've never seen these these ideas brought together quite the way Klein does. But you know, connecting that thing that he can he does with with the manifestation of of God in the cloud theophany. Um, which he calls, and we, we spoke about indexation. I'm trying to leave those words out of it just to not throw too much <laughs> into this right now. But, um, you know, he, he speaks of this physical manifestation, so to speak, of, of what would otherwise be uh, invisible. And uh, that only for the point of showing us what we ultimately will experience uh, visibly. And, and so there it is right in the beginning, uh, this cloud theophany. Uh, this is the place that, that this is what makes Eden like the sanctuary, this temple. Um, man dwells uh, in the hope of, of of entering into that ultimate rest, um, as he has glimmers of this cloud theophany, um, and this is what then carries through even uh, in redemption. And the temple, of course, becomes important, and um, and then the idea of even just working to enter into rest we see in Genesis one um, is mirrored by man's working to enter into rest. There's an imaging component there. Um, and so all those sorts of things you could explore quite easily. And, and uh, you know, then there's maybe just worth mentioning as well, even if we're not going to go straight into it now, um, the, that, that way in which uh, Klein speaks of the glory cloud having its kind of macrocosm uh, represented in the creation itself as something that gives glory to God and images God's glory. And then the microcosm of that if I understand it correctly, being man himself. Um, and so all are combined via this temple idea and uh, this closely closely connected to the image. So again, very, very, uh, all I'm wanting to do there is not necessarily explain all that, but just sort of go, there it is. All, all, all those little, you know, um, spokes come out of this, this hub and uh, are worth thinking about and uh, just amazing. And Images of the Spirit really is the book, right? Uh, if you wanted to go yes. and, and check this out, we did say last time that, uh, strangely, actually, I find it quite strange that everyone loves that book. Even even the people that are usually not so kind towards Klein uh, are, are into Images of the Spirit. And, um, and I find a lot of provocative... Um, maybe not provocative, but maybe a little bit controversial. I don't just at least new and original stuff coming through there that I'm quite surprised that people have not taken up, ha had more issue with, you know, in light of what right. he's saying, but it doesn't seem to be the case somehow. And that's great. Um, so it, it gives you some sense of reassurance as you work through all this, like completely otherwise like alien territory. Um, but I suppose it's the deep, the deep resonance you have. It's just biblical. You can understand that what he's doing is he's just taking more of the data than normally is taken into account. He's just pulling uh, pulling it all together in in a way that's, you know, at least just suggests a, a way to move forward in ways we might not have uh, with the idea. So I think um, it's it's really a ma an amazing book. It's not too long either. Yeah, it's no, you know, no. it's you can get through the whole thing fairly quickly. I mean, you have to read it slowly, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> the second time. I'm not sure if. I'm not sure which is shorter, Images of the Spirit or Bioth Consigned, but uh, it might be Klein's shortest book. Yeah, I mean, I, 
it's sort of I think what happens is you you have to focus so intently on what he's saying that time goes by really quickly as you read it and then it ends up being quite a short book as well so you feel like you can actually it's a doable chunk it's not like Kingdom Prologue where it's like this is the next part of my life that I'm going to dedicate this uh, to, to, to reading <laughs> yep. that book. Uh, it's not, it's not in the same way, but it is kind of a short, almost like feels to me the same sort of brain process as if you want to get through a heavy bit of logic or something, you know, you want to just hunker down and, and work through that. Uh, but anyways, highly recommend. And uh, usually it's one of his cheapest books to buy as well. They usually got some secondhand copies floating around and you can get them, you know, uh, all over the, over the place. Uh, if you don't want to, is it online? I don't think it is online. It is on Lagos. I know that much. It is on Lagos and um, it's now published by Wiffenstock. Well, I think it has been for quite a while, but yeah. you can order it directly from them too. Totally. Yeah, I've struggled to get any secondhand copies of Klein's book. They always usually are way up there and, and just you might as well buy it new. And, uh, and I know that was the one exception. Um, but anyway, so there's that. Right now, what I wanted to do is uh, just think a little bit about, because I think probably the closest thinker that I have found in terms of dealing with the subject to Klein uh, is Horton and, and in terms of a contemporary sort of uh, layout of the whole thing. And he's definitely impacted by Klein one way or another. You might even say it's just straight up Kleinian stuff coming through. But um, I don't know, as I read Horton, it's just kind of a different focus, maybe a, a little bit more on the covenant. And I was very interested in that. Um, uh, I'll just get your thoughts on that, Chris. But basically, all I, you know, for me coming into it, the, the, the interest was that uh, Klein is basically saying, hey, it's not that God creates and then later on makes a covenant. Uh, that he could, you know, it's not like he could have created in the image of God, no less, and and then just decided, you know what, I'm actually not gonna not gonna do anything with you guys, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna enter into glory after six days of work or anything like that. Klein kind of he just does not like that idea at all, um, even if even if uh, that would be a condescension of God in any way. It's just not. It's it's a matter of justice for Klein in that in that. You know what? What God has done in creation is already covenantal, and He's already, by virtue of this act of, of the fiat and the response and the um, imaging and all these things, there is a covenant that's been entered into by the time the man is is has seen the light of day, and um, and at that point, intuitively, almost He knows I must follow uh, my Creator and work to enter into rest, and this this goal is before me, and uh, and uh, so. You know, it's it's sort of it's not the fact that God, it's not that Klein has a problem with God freely entering into a covenant, but it's just that he really has a problem with that happening after the actual act of creation itself, um, and and that that has in fact, you know, he once entered into uh, that it is a matter of God's justice to follow through with that, um, and you know he can't just bail out or you know that would be to encroach on his character and that sort of thing, um, so. What I loved about that is the way he's connecting creation and image of God as a kind of pinnacle moment in creation to covenant itself. Um, that's the covenant of works. So you don't have to go hunting around or waiting for that dialogue to happen that didn't really happen. You just have to study the creation account, and especially in a framework lens. Uh, it's just undeniable that as the, as the suzerain you know, takes his seat in Sabbath glory and the vassal king is pronounced as a vassal, uh, essentially how can it, it can't be anything but a covenant in ancient Near Eastern terms. So there's, there's all of that. Uh, so it seems to me that Horton takes that idea and just rolls with it and almost wants to say that, that the covenant, I really, the covenant is the image. 
which I don't think Klein has said uh, in so many words. But I was interested to get your uh, perspective on, on what Horton was saying, number one, and how that measures uh, with Klein. I think Horton is working with all of the ideas that Klein mentions as image of God, but I don't think he really gives as much time in his um, book, The Christian Faith, to that third one, the formal or physical. Mm. I did find at the bottom of page 400 that um, he at least mentions the idea. Right. He's not I didn't opposed really to it. Yeah. see him unpack it very much. Right, right. Um, I agree with you that he does seem the most interested in the, you know, the covenantal um, aspect of all of this and the implications. Um, mm. And I think he and Klein would be on exactly the same page in terms of um, the covenant of works being um, simultaneous with being created in the image of God. Mm. And so, you know, I really think that um, this doctrine, the image of God, really brings to a head all of the, um, may maybe the best way to talk about the controversy between uh, the way the Westminster Confession talks about God condescending to make that first covenant mm. and the, you know, Klein's um, objection to that because um, what God freely did was create. And uh, it's, it's not that um, God wasn't free after that, mm. but he, he set things up uh, um, the way he wanted to. And then, um, I mean, if we can talk about God being obligated, he obligated himself mm -hmm. by creating a creature in his own image mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that has necessary eschatological right. uh, implications to it. Right. And um, not only does it contain the, um, the principle of simple justice and the works principle where, um, according to that ethical aspect, these human creatures were to be as much like their creator as they possibly could be. Mm -hmm. But then um, just in that, in that functional sense as well, mm. like you said, God did his work that he had laid out for himself to do. And he rewarded his very good work by sitting down um, and resting on his Sabbath throne on the seventh day. And the implication of that is that these human creatures were to do the work that God had given them to do mm. and then to join God in that Sabbath rest. Mm. So, I mean, the whole thing is uh, encapsulated in creation in the image of God. You, mm. you can't, you can't find any um, sunlight between creation in the image of God and the making of the covenant. They are simultaneous. Right. right totally. Were you, were you, um, understanding uh, Horton to be saying that the image is the covenant or do you think he's not quite saying that? Mm, I mean, I can see how you could read um, the beginning of the section on the image of God sort of that way, yeah. but then he ends up talking about other aspects. <laughs> there there well. are other aspects. Yeah. It sort of it ends up it's just like very similar to Klein, except I think he adds a fourth one there or, or, uh, it's a prophetic dimension, if I remember correctly. Um, but right. Um, Which still is drawing on Klein images of the spirit. <laughs> true. Yeah, totally. What was the thing with Klein? Like he he wanted uh, to leave that for post, it's sort of a redemptive uh, thing. He didn't like to bring the prophetic uh, idea prior to the fall, right? 
Yeah, I think that's true. Um, it it does all get connected to uh, the Holy Spirit, obviously. Yes. Um, and it seems like he's constantly uh, referring back to that hovering of the Holy Spirit over the unformed earth. But I, I think you're right that he, he prefers... Uh, uh, to leave the prophetic for post fall, but he he is certainly comfortable talking about the priestly aspect yes. before the fall because he describes Adam right. as a priest who was to yeah. guard the temple. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I always um, I remember seeing that, and I think yeah, as you said, it somehow does all you know flow back to that original source. Anyway, I think there was just probably a point that he wanted to really bring out. I can't remember what it was now. Anyways, leaving that aside, yeah, Horton's very much on the same page. Um, the the idea there. Um, just with the image being covenantal as well, um, just just leaving Horton for a second. Um, one of the things I remember Klein doing at some point, I can't remember where I saw this, might have been images, uh, where he, he says, listen, I mean, another way to show how the image is essentially covenantal, uh, if not the covenant, then uh, something that basically uh, is, is simultaneous with or, or closely parallels the covenant Um is the fact that God created male and female in a marriage con- uh, context, you know, which is covenantal, and um, mm-hmm. and that being in His image. So you know, there is, <laughs> it's quite an amazing thought that you have uh, God entering into uh, this relationship with man, which we're saying by virtue of Him doing so is covenantal, and then Him being made in the image of God in the relationship that reflects the covenant. You know, it's just. Uh, it's quite an amazing idea. So, you know, if not the covenant, it's just very, very, very close um, and almost can't be thought of without the image of God. You know, or you, the one right. must be thought of with the other, which, you know, if, even if you just leave it at that, I think is profoundly helpful, uh, especially when you start getting to, you know, as we said last time and as uh, many theologians have pointed out, like you, you want to know what the image is, then go to the perfect image of God. In Christ, you know that's that's obviously right. where you would need to go. You need to almost work backwards from that point, and mm-hmm. um, and what you do see again, just relating this this covenant idea, you do see the um, the the covenant servant, you know, perfectly represented. Yeah, you have the one who works to enter into rest. He uh, he mirrors God. He um, he, well, he is God, but he he mirrors God as man, uh, and and does what Adam should have done by way of that covenantal arrangement. And so there's that, you know, um, uh, we saw the physical luminosity and the transfiguration. We, you know, uh, so, so all of that is there again, but uh, I do think the covenant covenant idea runs strong right throughout in that, you know, whatever, whatever the covenant did to reflect the image of God, um, whatever part it played, um, it seems to correspond to to what Jesus is as the covenant servant, perfectly representing that covenant servant, and um, mm. and so representing the the glory of God in the image of man. Amen. Yeah. So there we go. There's a little something right there. <laughs> Put that into your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> um. Do you, do you mind if I riff on that for a minute? Go for it. So, um, because this is something that I wanted to say in the the lost recordings from last week, 
<laughs> the last I didn't end the up second saying, epistle, but... the first epistle. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, you know, since the the Hebrew word for covenant doesn't actually appear until Genesis chapter six, yeah. Klein really felt um, the burden of proof to argue for there being right. a covenant there in okay. creation. And this was one of the main um, pillars, I think, of his argument was yeah. the image of God. Mm. And um, this is an insight that I got from Lane Tipton uh, toward the end of his t- time as a Kleinian. But this is really why we see um, <laughs> the uniformity uh, among all world religions. Every single world religion has a sense of an offended deity mm. and that they need to do something to uh, appease that deity. And yeah. so every single world religion out there is based on works righteousness because they, they are made in the image of God. They know they owe him that obedience yep. and they're desperately trying to, to right. bridge that gap. And right. Christianity is the only one that says, well, God sent a second Adam and he yeah. did it for you. Yeah, and it's usually we would talk about that by way of a covenant of works anyway. We would say, well, it's that covenant of works on the part of every fallen son of Adam, you know, that, that broken covenant, that futility, that, you know, sense in which he could never do what he was supposed to do, that eternity on his heart, so to speak. Um, we usually use the, the covenant language to speak to account for that, or the moral law written on the heart at the very least. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. the image is really ultimately what we're grasping at there, I think, you know, in that... Yeah. You know, you, you've got a more direct sort of sense of like as man was created, he's supposed to be doing what, you know, he just, he's supposed to be holy, but he's not. He's supposed to be earning heaven, but he's not. He's supposed to be doing all these direct imaging things. Um, and so I think it's a, a really helpful way to think about all of that. Um, you know, one of the, what, to speak, thinking about that as well, you know, one of the, the things I thought would be really helpful, although I haven't quite mapped it out yet, is that there's always been this bit of a tension as to, okay, well, how does fallen man have the image of God mm. still, you know, or does he, is it marred? Is it lost? Is it gone? Is it there? Or, or what's going on? And I think if you think about it in terms of covenant, if, if it doesn't solve the problem, at least gives you some clues or handles to work with <clears throat> in that, let's say, let's say for argument's sake, the, 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 the place to, you know, and I think I'm just, again, going from memory, I don't have it in front of me now, but, um, I think somewhere around Horton's opening chapter there, he says, listen, the, the, the image is not something um, in man. It's something between man and God. Um, there's something, it's something outside of man in terms of his relationship with God. And so I think there mm. he has this covenant idea in mind. And, um, and so if that's true, and if uh, we can see that image primarily in his ar- arrangement with God, his relationship to God covenantally, um, then it's almost like you can continue to see exactly what you were just talking about now. You can see exactly what the mod image is. You know, it's that mm-hmm. man remains under the, in that relationship with God. No one is not in a relationship with God. Everyone is in a very intimate relationship with God. The issue is never that you need to be in a relationship with God. Everyone is already in a relationship with God. The issue is just what kind of relationship. Like, is it is it a yeah. is it a relationship that you have you know transgressed in, and that you, know, you under Adam uh, are uh, you know uh, at least doing what Adam did and have fallen under Adam? Certainly, it's not a it's a it's not a uh, a legitimate path to eternal life anymore. But it remains uh, upon the head of of everyone in terms of their condemnation, and that condemnation is essentially that image and covenant. 
Uh, and so it's just a helpful way to think about the, the remaining image. You know, even, even in terms of a dignity for fallen man, they're still fallen sons of Adam in a relationship with God. It's not that they have been relegated to some other status. Or, you know, they, they, are, they, will, they will be brought before the judge. They, uh, the Creator yep. knows of them, you know, they, and they will, they will have to give an account. I mean, that's something that you would, you know, that's not something that, that is going to be asked of everything that God made, so to speak. And so there, exactly. there is something there that I think is very helpful to work with and, and elaborate on that, that idea of fallenness, image of God and fallenness. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't mean to belabor the point about it being marred or distorted, but I, the first image that popped into my head was the the most recent and probably last Rambo movie, um, which I just watched with my wife a few weeks ago. Okay. And I don't know if you've seen it, and I don't know if this is going to translate with all of your listeners, but Dude, Rambo um, always translates. <laughs> so. In, in this last movie, Rambo's an old man, yeah. and he's got this woman and this uh, teenage girl living on his ranch with him, and the teenage girl um, is just insistent that she's going to go south of the border to Mexico to find her father and find out why he left her and her mother, and, you know, Rambo says, don't do it, you know, give this a few more years at least, and then we'll, we'll revisit this. Well, she does it anyway. He goes down after her to rescue her. And all of these um, wicked, evil sex traffickers gang up on him and beat him half to death. And you just see his face after this beating. You know, it's John Rambo. Yeah. But boy, is that image distorted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. And yeah. that's what sin has done to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, again, you're referring to something physical and an image there. And I think, I, you know, for me, it's always been a bit of a, a struggle to figure out, okay, but what does that mean then? You know, and I think if you're thinking in terms of ontology or you're thinking in terms of uh, relationship, you know, what, it really does matter in terms of how you're going to process what that marring looks like. Because obviously we know God doesn't look like a man, you know, in terms of, uh, so there's something that's being referred to here. Um, and if it's distorted, then what exactly is distorted? And I think there's just, it's the relationship itself that's distorted. You know, it's the actual, yeah. you know, man has turned away from his credit. He's, he's transgressed the covenant. He has no interest in the very things that he was covenanted to do. Or if he does, he's doing it to his own glory rather than God's. He's doing it to futility rather than you know, Sabbath rest. He's doing it unto judgment rather than, you know, uh, where it should go. And so it's like the whole thing is there, but it's a, it's a, yeah, exactly what you said. You know, in terms of that mod image, it's just, if you, if you use that as a symbol for the relationship itself, I mean, it's just, I think it's really helpful to just quantify what, what that's all about. Um, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. I mean, again, and that's, I'm reading a lot into the image idea there. So, you know, I'll leave it to, to the listener to process that and think about whether they like that idea or not. But I think for me, I'm more and more, maybe even, um, yeah, maybe even more than Klein himself has has wanted to go. Maybe even more than Horton. Although, um, yeah, I just I, I want to major in on that idea. I think it's really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So there we go. You can choose either Klein or Horton or me. You know, <laughs> just just put it out there. I mean, I won't be offended. I won't be offended if you go with someone else. Um, all right, good. Um, well, that that sort of moves us to the end. Uh, hopefully, that gets us more or less on the same page. Later on, I do want to come back to just kind of the temple thing and the the mm -hmm. you know the 
I suppose, what is it? The, yeah, the cosmic, the, the, the macro and the micro and all that stuff. I mean, I think there's just so much there that it's just helpful, you know, with, with anyone thinking about client stuff. And then um, and to register cosmology. I don't know if we did something like that before. I think we might have. But I wanted, I've read, yesterday I, I posted you uh, or I sent you a little quote from this thing I've, I found from Klein. He was reviewing some science book and um, amazing, like totally amazing. That was just, a, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was mind-blowing. Yeah, just in, on the Two Kingdom thing. I liked it because it's like, well, for me what it did was it just emphasized that thing that you normally never emphasize with the Two Kingdom aspect, which is that we do have a mandate, culturally speaking, um, as well as a mandate in terms of redemption. And uh, Klein seemed to really have a good grasp on that and emphasize both. And obviously, it seems quite obvious now that I think about it. But um, anyways, we'll come back to that and, uh, and look around those areas uh, in the future. But let's drop it there for now. All right. Thanks, Thanks Mike. I really appreciated that. Thanks, Chris. All right, let's play the sucker out. You ready? And here we go.